This podcast has been made possible through funding from Fans for Diversity. Hello guys and welcome to the FEH podcast. Um, don't worry, this is still the FEH podcast, but you are right in uh, probably guessing this isn't Ankarad or Beatrice talking. I am Sam, I am the communications officer for the Football versus Homophobia Youth Panel. And we're trying something a little bit different here on Football versus Homophobia podcast. We are going to um, have a few roundtable discussions once a month with the youth panel. Um, and my first two guests from the youth panel are the education team, actually. Um, you've got Amy and you've got Ryan. How are you both doing today? Yeah, doing well. Yeah, good to, good to be here, good to be talking. Yeah, also doing great. So even though the weather is terrible, classic talking about the weather as a British person. But other than that, everything is great. I feel, I, I've actually listened to a, the FEH podcast. And that seems to be like the first topic of conversation. <laughs> I mean, ours isn't great. We had a good day yesterday, but down in London, it's gone a bit gloomy again. So, um, and obviously up in Scotland, it's never really not gloomy. So you're probably pretty standard. Um, yeah, so we'll just kind of, um, as we were talking about a little bit before we um, actually started recording, there's a few things that we can talk about. Basically, what this roundtable is always going to be is kind of talking about the week, all of the few weeks prior to the discussions, and also talking about what maybe a few things that are coming up. Um, and one of the hot topics of debate is, has been kind of trans inclusion in sport. Obviously, we had the um, Sammy Walker's article up on Women's Equality Day, which was fantastic. If you haven't seen that, go to the FEH blog for that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's been a it's been a really heated debate again this weekend with J.K. Rowling's comments regarding the rugby stuff. And I don't know it's been for me at least it's been really frustrating to see the kind of um, uneducation in terms of people just say it's sprouting views without actually having anything to kind of back it up with, and that's been proven over the last week. Yeah, and it's always always a shame that it, it seems to be brought up back by the same people with prominence. So, as you said, J.K. Rowling bringing back these sort of arguments, and frankly, she's in no real position to be talking or saying anything about trans lives. And it's just a, a shame that these arguments are brought up, again, for the wrong reasons. They're not talking about inclusivity and positive things that are happening but just negative views by turfs like jk rowling and it is this idea that like like i I don't understand how you can call yourself a feminist when you're not actually speaking for women and and this whole i feel like the whole trans exclusionary feminist thing is actually a juxtaposition in itself because you can't be both like it's not at the end of the day it's not feminism if you're only speaking for women that you perceive to be like quote-unquote real women and that's just uh, I, it, it's frustrating to see it's, and even more so like it's hard for me I feel like I can't put much of a debate up because uh, I, I haven't had this lived experience as not even like a woman and certainly not a trans woman um, and obviously Amy you've played football and I don't know if you've ever played with a trans woman in on the pitch but obviously you might um, yeah I have actually um only one time um when I was at university um and like that was actually like quite an eye-opening um like day for me in terms of like m- like my own education like going forward after that um because like a lot of my teammates and a lot of the other people on the pitch were being like ridiculously transphobic and it was just kind of something that like I didn't really kind of expect because the majority of like my team like were queer um so it was kind of very confusing for me to kind of like to see that and to be like okay you know you're a part of the community like why are you why are you acting like this and stuff like that and and the people um yeah and the coaches were saying various things and it was just it was very kind of yeah it was very kind of eye-opening for me as to how much kind of education and knowledge wise how far behind like most people are in terms of like understanding like um trans experiences and 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 their lived experiences and you know what they go through and you know like the, the vocabulary and, and stuff like that so that was very educational and kind of like in a bad way for me um in terms of kind of really seeing like how much needs to be done and that was even that was like a good few years ago um and yeah all this coming back up is just it's just it's so frustrating because I think with with feminism the issue with the last few years is that the idea of the feminism that everyone clings to is this kind of like you know like white feminist very kind of just you know one i 
like one particular type of women that you're talking about and you know everyone else that doesn't fit in that like there's no space for them within the feminism that people are thinking about and it's just this kind of like palatable you know feminism that you come across like on social media and on cute t-shirts and you know and it's just about you know the classic person that you're going to see on TV, you know, a really rich, you know, white celebrity talking about feminism that is cisgendered and probably straight. And that's kind of the idea of feminism that really is very prominent at the moment. So it's kind of, it's just frustrating that, you know, discussion and rhetoric hasn't really evolved past that to kind of look at intersectional feminism and kind of all women's lived experiences. And then that, yeah, that jumps back to what, what Sam said a minute ago, the juxtaposition of the of people who present this on and highlight this type of feminism that is completely opposed to the actual sort of messages and actions that have taken place throughout history or throughout feminist history. All this uh, is completely the opposite of this sort of inclusive and progressive movement that feminism has always been and it's i think it also uh, uh, i've had discussions with people in the past who who shy away and from the term feminism because of uh, these sort of uh, sort of exclusionary types of feminism because they associate that as the norm because of the sort of notoriety that it gets and the uh, how prominent uh, or how many prominent people present these views as J.K. Rowling as the example, but that people then associate this with feminism when they are completely separate things. When this is not uh, what what you see from these people is not feminism. Yeah, and it's the same thing that like, just as Amy touched on with like m- many members of her team being queer and not standing up for trans rights as well, and it's like. It, it's one of the things we've discussed a lot in the youth panel in our few meetings is this idea that like equality uh, fighting for equality isn't just fighting for what affects you it's fighting for actual equality of everyone not just your identities as me as a a, a, a white cis male I'm not just fighting for like bisexual uh, like equality for uh, queer equality I'm fighting for trans equality I'm fighting for uh, like uh, BAME equality and that's what it should be if you're if you're fighting for your own equality in one case you should also be an ally to other people's equalities and other people's identities yeah I think it is it is yeah totally that that it's about everyone it's about um, inclusivity to everyone and supporting each other because as, uh, as Sam has mentioned there as a sort of cis man uh, you will never have an idea what it's like for someone who is trans the same way that uh, you you just don't know other people's lived experiences. So you need to sort of support them. You're never going to fully understand what other people are going through and therefore you need to help them and support people because it is different and you can't understand the journey that people are going through. Uh, I think last week we had the Women's Equality Day and it was really important for me on Women's Equality Day was to actually address issues for all women and like that's why I reached out to, uh, to Samantha Walker who'd done an absolutely fantastic piece again. I will be referencing a lot to her piece um, and a few of the things she mentioned was and it's one thing that I've always wanted to say is like in football you have multiple positions on the pitch for multiple different sizes for multiple different physical abilities and therefore, like the idea that okay, and it, and this is unfounded anyway. But even the idea that someone could have a physical, apparent physical advantage on someone doesn't matter because they'll just be in a different position on the pitch that suits that physical ability. Yeah, it's very, it's very like tiring and frustrating that the debate. Well, it's it's not it's not a debate. It, it isn't a debate point blank. There 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 is no debate. <laughs> but the fact that it's been first of all, the fact is a debate quote-unquote because that gives the idea that there is the like pro and con like like yes and no side but there isn't you know like there shouldn't be it's trans inclusion that's the bottom line but it's frustrating that it like the focus of these discussions is always on you know like physicality and and you know bodies and all of that type of stuff it's just 
it always seems to be when it comes down to trans like issues and you know inclusion and trans rights that it always focuses on like the physical and stuff like that and it's just it's a it's a weird obsession that cisgender people have with trans people's bodies and I don't understand why it's always at the forefront of discussion and why that once again now when it comes to sport is something that is always like at, as I said like at the forefront of discussion and it just it so clearly highlights that you know you can't be a feminist and you clearly aren't a feminist if you know that's all you are you know equating to womanhood and, and femininity is you know like like bodies and stuff like that it's just, it's very it's very tiring mm. I, yeah it's, I, that's a like, really great point as well because uh, we had a discussion when I was at university last year about uh, about trans women in sport and that was one of the things that people kept questioning particularly people who are cisgendered, the first thing that came to their mind was physicality and physical expression. And I, I think for me, one thing that's really highlighted the sort of ridiculousness of this argument has been playing for Charlton and Victor, um, where uh, like an inclusive side and there's people of all genders who play for our side. And it hasn't once gone through my head about when you're actually playing, when you're in the moment playing football, the, the physicality of the people you're playing with doesn't matter. You're not thinking about, like, is this person this gender, so should I tackle them harder or should I not? And you don't think about that. In the moment, you're just playing football and these are just the people you're playing football with. And the sort of physicality side is... It is, as you said, so highlighted when its significance to you, other people's physicality is, in terms of its significance to you, there is none. There is no... Someone else's way or form has no effect on you as a person, you know? And it's, yeah, it's just so frustrating that that is the the only thing that some people can see and can only only thing that some people can think about because for them uh, gender they can't get away from the fact that gender expression or gender presentation and gender identity don't always match and it's yeah it's it's a sort of very strange thing to try and uh, to see people trying to wrap their head around and not being able to get past that sort of first hurdle. And again, I do want to talk about the science of trans people is that they don't have any advantage whatsoever over a cis, uh, cis woman. They, they, especially with her case of Samantha Walker, where she's been on hormones for four or five years. She has, there's not, a, there's no woman, there's no man left there. Like that is, that is, all women on that pitch. There's not, there's not that as some people would like to say, a man in a women's game. That is every single person on that pitch is a woman. And if they have got through the FA inclusion guidelines and the previous um, rugby inclusion guidelines, then they are physically have no advantage over any woman on that pitch. And I think that pretty much, um, I mean, that, that pretty much brings that conversation to kind of the end. Um, Another thing, of one thing that, and as you said, I got heated on that. But another thing that's got me particularly heated is kind of the whole uh, the debate that um, ramped up from the Sky Sports sackings. And, um, if those who don't know, uh, Matt Letizia, Charlie Nicholas, and Phil Thompson have all been sacked from Sky Sports. They will not be resuming their roles on Soccer Saturday, and this has enraged a uh, uh, kind of. Uh, uh, almost hatred towards what people assume the reason they've been sacked for being that we're going to try and that Sky Sports are trying to get a more varied cast are going to try and get someone from the BAME community are trying to get someone from the queer community and uh, there's so many things wrong with this first of all the fact that this is the assumed kind of thing the the first thing you go to when three straight white men lose their jobs is to blame people who are uh, underrepresented in media, traditionally underrepresented. And, and I find that a really frustrating thing, especially with the uh, picking out of particularly Alex Scott and um, Mika Richards, who've been particularly targeted 
because people assumed that they might get an opportunity from free white men losing their jobs. And I, I don't know how much of it you guys have seen, but it's just been extremely, extremely frustrating for me, especially as a journalist, seeing this kind of reaction to attempt at variety or an assumed attempt at variety. Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the important parts about this is the assumption. And the fact that a lot of the anger has been taken out on, as you said, Alex Scott and Micah Richards, who would never have been in the position to be making those decisions anyway. The decisions are being made by people within Sky Sports and the first instinct is for seems to have been for people to attack, as you, as you said, to attack uh, these people. And it's it just from the outside, it just seems bizarre that you see people lose their job and then attack the people you think are going to take their place because of a specific reason you think they're going to happen. There's so many sort of ifs around this. But when we, you sort of look at it from a sort of wider context, you kind of realise this happens so, so frequently that any time there's a sort of shift from a sort of white male uh, dominated area and even the slightest shift, there's this sort of rage amongst generally white cis men about it. And it's, it is just so bizarre again to, or not bizarre, it's so uh, strange to look at. And it's so obvious the sort of reasons why just any sort of shift in dynamical power and which is just even uh, is just going towards creating a more sort of diverse space or a more equal space or potentially even in this perspective, potentially uh, just looking at refreshing after such a long period of time of these people working there is for people to feel like they are personally slighted by a change when it is a minuscule change and minuscule shift in the sort of uh, dynamic that was like, it's not a restructuring of Sky Sports to now be entirely inclusive to everyone where, where there's equal representation across the board. It's three people have it losing their job and two people you assume might take their place. It's yeah, it's, it's such an, overwhelmingly sort of ridiculous response uh, but in keeping with uh, with almost what you you'd expect or what has happened in the past when anything like this happens and it's also worth mentioning that if you look at the kind of and it's about it's not a slight on the free people at all like nothing but respect to them it's a slight on the reaction to everything and and the Gillette Soccer Saturdays uh, satisfaction rating on YouGov is 30%. That puts it below Piers Morgan's life stories. Like, it, uh, and they've been consistently losing viewers to the score over on BT Sports since that show started. So even without everything, and yes, there probably is a, a there probably is a desire to have more variety and have more communities represented but that's not a bad thing but even so at the basis of it it's refreshing an old format it's refreshing an old cast and if they can also introduce uh, a little bit of variety while doing that and, and not be funny good pundits as well if Alex Scott was to get it she would get 100% deserved because she's one of the like for my money and Ian Wright even said it in his Twitter video one of the best prepared pundits one of the hardest working pundits currently going around on the scene and it, and it'd be great because as a sports journalist student myself in my course there was as far as I know I was the only LGBT openly LGBT person on the course there was one woman and there was three people from various Spain communities out of about 50 60 students that is ridiculously under underrepresented in a lot of communities and the rest is white straight men and so I just find and, and no no trans again linking back to the start no people that were openly trans or no people that are openly non-binary so it you and it and you've got to think that maybe the reason for that is because you switch on your team you'll switch on your tv to sky to the most 
recognisable football brand, the most popular show of the last 20 years, and there's all white straight men. And you've got to think that's something to do with what's then filtering down to who chooses to go into journalism and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's it's the same it's the same with any, anything like any career in terms of representation. You know, you can only you can only you know achieve or aim to a certain extent depending on what you can on where you see yourself reflected. So, you know, it's it's really difficult to think, oh, you know, I could do that and that could be a career for me and that could be something I could do with my life. When you know, time and time again, the people that are doing that don't reflect your identities and and don't reflect you so um it, it's it, yeah it's really it's difficult to that extent when yeah there's there's no representation and in terms of like the re- reaction like that's just that's the same reaction when it comes to anything in society that you know a straight cis white man um like doesn't have the same power anymore then there's just an immediate outrage because you know that person in that position represents all the power that there is in society and that immediate fear that you know someone else is going to take that power away from them um it's just the immediate response which is absolutely ridiculous because you know those structures of power exist very thoroughly throughout society so one four people losing their job at Sky Sports, you know, isn't suddenly going to, like, defeat, like, there isn't suddenly going to be, like, no patriarchy and no white supremacy. Like, that's not just going to, like, go away because those four people lost their job. Like, it's it's ridiculous how fragile, you know, their understanding of power is and their reaction to, like, the slightest changes in power structure. Yeah, that's very, very well said. It's, it is the tiniest sort of change to and such an overwhelming and massive response to something as you said such a tiny change in sort of power for two people and it as you said it take it people have taken it to heart as if they're coming for them next when it really isn't representative of that as you said patriarchy isn't gone overnight because three sky sports pundits are like it's a very sort of gradual change and there's far bigger things that Sky Sports could do to kind of like try and uh, try and reduce the sort of impacts as Sam said make it more inclusive make uh, the sort of sporting world and sporting journalism particularly uh, more, yeah more diverse and but they've chosen to potentially do that with three pundits and as you were saying as Amy was saying also that that is potentially great representation for people to see like it it yeah people seem to have this sort of image that the or it seems it seems in the comments uh, about what uh, what happened that people thought seems that the only people watching Sky Sports and watching these programs are like the cis white guys that are on the show when really that is firstly not true but also for more inclusion and diversity as Sam said further up in terms of a a sort of sports journalism level and within sport as a whole if you can you see it by the sort of uh, gapping in coaching with the number of sort of BAME players and the number of BAME players that go on to be coaches is so minuscule and like you need that sort of representation to kind of be able to create an environment where people are comfortable and able to follow those sort of career paths and believe they can actually uh, get into these careers without massive roadblocks caused by sort of lack of inclusivity that this sort of is now and just to quickly as as, uh, as you guys are saying as well particularly the response that seems to be tinged as well with uh, a, a lot of misogyny particularly aimed towards Alex Scott who frankly is one of the most successful footballers in recent years in the UK she's a great footballer and from as you said from all of her other sort of punditry knows exactly what she's talking about and there's that sort of 
still highlights again that sort of as well as uh, sort of racism still within football that sort of misogyny that is really seemingly entrenched within football and at least within the sort of community that is sort of watching and viewing yeah I think one thing that I kind of I guess every time something like this happens it kind of takes me by surprise because I feel like I'm in kind of this football versus homophobia bubble this kind of queer football community bubble where it's all like very inclusive. Everyone's really like supportive of each other. So every now and then I see something like this and I saw it with the Bristol City kicks as well um, a couple of weeks before that as well, where they, again, there's nothing to say that this is anything to do with LGBT. Like the fact that they had slightly brighter kits and there happened to be like a slight rainbow pattern on there. Like nowhere, I, I looked it up I, and I assumed there must've been a statement saying this is in support of LGBT, judging by the reaction. Not one place did it ever say that this was in support of LGBT. They just, it was just a kit that's got a rainbow on it. That's it. And it, it uses this homophobic reaction. Um, and yeah, it's just all quite baffling to me, honestly. Yeah, I, when I saw the response to that Bristol City kit as well, yeah, I, I started to wonder if the people who are getting angry at kits like that, if they like go outside and see a rainbow, are they getting angry at that as well and thinking that the sky is... Or like that nature is now got a, homo, a pro uh, LGBT agenda or something like it's just colours on a shirt and as you said no statement attached to it and that just association of like again I was I was discussing this with someone the other day and said I wonder if the, and I said I wonder if these same people getting angry at this shirt are also angry at the fact that uh, rainbows have been used in association with the NHS over the last few months. Like, it's it's just bizarre, the sort of level of, and as you said, in a bubble, in a sort of uh, bubble in sort of supportive communities, to then be expressed to people getting really angry about a few colours, like, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly can't, it, yeah, so that we are in, I think to an extent we are in this bubble and, it can be quite shocking to kind of be exposed to, and I, and I forget almost, even though I knew this before getting into this bubble, I know how um, toxic some of football culture can be. And, but sometimes you just forget because you think the world seems to be becoming a better place because we're in this little bubble. But then when you look outside of it, it's still not, not an awful lot has changed. There's progress being made, sure, but there's still a, a hell of a lot of work to be done. Yeah, see, I'm I'm quite a pessimist. So, <laughs> like, because I grew up like playing football, like since I was literally like four or five, and I grew up like you know, like coming out like and like coming to terms with like my sexuality like when I was playing football, and then obviously like being you know mixed race like and growing up like in football. So I've seen like all of the ugly sides to football like for most of my life. So I've always been aware of like how toxic football was and that's actually why I stopped playing football um last year like when I graduated university and I haven't played it since was because of how like the fact that I was just too toxic for me to like continue in that environment so I'm like the opposite like FEH is like such a nice little like like cubby hole that I can like hide and be like oh my goodness like this is so great and so inclusive but it's like it's not like I'm still aware of like how like horrific and toxic like the football world is um in terms of like racism and like homophobia etc um and misogyny and just all of the things um but yeah like it is a nice a nice kind of like get away from like how toxic um like the rest of football is yeah, I think that's that's uh, some like football and having that sort of really sort of nice space to be comfortable in and actually feeling supported and stuff for me is uh, in a similar sort of way. It's, except it's sort of highlighted the uh, the the sort of issues within football that were always there when I was growing up playing football. But I because they were so entrenched within football and were so present until I sort of took that step back and entered into a space where sort of that wasn't the norm, that sort of negativity wasn't the norm. I never sort of realized fully or was conscious of the, uh, the, the extent to which 
like all of, uh, as you said, all the sort of misogyny, uh, LGBT phobia, and uh, just just toxic environment that football was, and it always was a toxic environment for me when I was playing. But until I was in that sort of space of reflection of being able to say, well, actually, this is a lot nicer. That toxicity isn't here. That I kind of realised just how much of football and my experience within football were like sort of seen through that sort of lens of toxicity that sort of perpetuated every sort of aspect of football I've been involved in. And I think, again, it highlights the sort of importance of these, spa- of these spaces and needing these spaces to kind of sometimes be able to reflect and see just how bad things are, but also on a more positive note, how good they can be. Like when you are in these sort of positive environments that are inclusive, it shows what the rest of the football world could become, even though, as you said, it's so entrenched and has been there for so long that it is a very sort of long way off that being the case throughout football. That's the thing that my whole reasoning behind getting involved in this is football can be amazing. It can be like this, this thrilling feeling of feeling a part of a family, feeling like this being amongst 40,000 other people who are feeling the exact same emotions as you. Like it can be an amazing feeling, but it needs to be that for everyone. And we want to fight for that for everyone, not just for the people that has been traditionally uh, allowed to be uh, that for and that i think again links back to what you were saying about uh when we were talking about trans women in foot uh, in sport that you you need to be fighting for everyone or at least an ally for everyone because as you said the work uh in terms of creating a better environment in football isn't done until it's a safe and positive environment for everyone an inclusive environment for everyone and that is the sort of goal and as you said it's such a such a long way off but again it's so good that there are groups and people working to make a start on that and the more people that do that the closer we get and the more power we get in creating that environment for everyone Uh, definitely and like kind of uh, thinking back to kind of Amy, your first podcast uh, uh, before you were actually on the youth panel, uh, and sure, but um, and you spoke you spoke a lot about your kind of experience in football when you were at university and the kind of uh, racism you experienced during that time and the biophobia you experienced during that time. And I think I never got the chance to almost experience not got the chance. It sounds like it's a good thing, but I never experienced that kind of thing within football because I left football before I got before I ever came out or before I ever really started to come to terms with my sexuality so we'll talk a bit about that and yeah what that universe again not obviously you've spoke about on a previous podcast so everyone should go back and listen to that but just rehash kind of that kind of a few points from that yeah so it was like I yeah so I played football at like university um like for four years um and um like I originally when I like first joined the team I was like oh this is great like the majority of the team is queer like this is going to be super amazing and inclusive and then it was just kind of throughout the years there was just various conversations and you know various situations that came up that was just you know there was just a lot of a lot of biphobia and kind of you know whenever I'd be talking about you know various things it would be you know acceptable if I was you know talking about things to do with you know like like women but like the second that you know there was anything else you know to do with my attraction to any other genders then it was just like it was just not it was just like you know don't talk about that like don't like you know like don't discuss that here and stuff like that and you know the classic you know biphobic jokes and everything like that and just you know that was that was quite it was quite prevalent um like that was prevalent like during training but then like on socials and and stuff like that it was like very very common um and like was was quite um came up quite a lot and in terms of like the racism like that kind of it was it was really difficult because it was the kind of like a lot of microaggressions um and kind of a lot of like 
really kind of subtle stuff that was, you know, hard to call out because, you know, if people don't understand what's, you know, if they don't understand racism, they don't understand microaggressions and, you know, trying to say, look, you know, what you said was, was really hurtful and was really racist. Like, you know, it's really hard for people to, to understand that and to, to accept that. So it was really, it was difficult because obviously I was, was playing with them and training with them, you know, every day for four years. So, you know, it, it was really difficult to have those conversations. And I lived with a lot of them as well. And it was just really difficult to have those conversations with them um, and to be, you know, to challenge them on things when, you know, I was, was so close to them. So it, it was really difficult. And, you know, it kind of like pushed me to like really kind of start speaking up and, you know, doing like my own education and my own work to kind of, you know, really start to, have start to have those conversations like within my life like within other people like with other people and kind of just really starting to like not like let those things slide um so it, it was it was really difficult um and it kind of like completely like changed my perspective um on football I mean I had various things growing up as well but that kind of like very much changed my perspective um like on football and kind of really like made me not want to be like part of like the culture or like the game anymore yeah and I think you touched on it there where like biphobia almost having its own kind of it I don't think people realize how separate biphobia can be from homophobia and how like people who are gay can also be very very biphobic and I've had it quite a lot where I've uh, been like one I get quite a lot is when I like put a picture up on snapchat even whether it's just my friend or something like that and I'll get a reply from someone who I've spoken to previously going, oh, so you're, so you're straight now then, or so, oh, so you're completely gay now then, just because I'm with a, a guy or with a girl on that kind of situation. This idea that you have to, like, pick a side almost. Like, there's no, you, know, you like, I'm, I'm currently in a, in a heterosexual relationship. That doesn't mean I'm now straight. Like, I'm still very much by, I, my, my um, loyalty isn't to, women as a whole my loyalty is to this specific woman uh, and it's and it's got no, and my attraction is nothing to do with her being a woman it's my attraction is to her as a person and and that's one thing that I find really frustrating is just just yeah like the idea that yeah like you have to pick a side or because you're dating a woman or you're dating a man currently that changes your sexuality sometimes somehow like no if I'm dating a man I'm bisexual if I'm dating a woman I'm bisexual if I'm single I'm still bisexual like yeah I think it's it's just it's the idea that like people can like because depending on like who you're dating or like you know who you're who you're with or who you're interested at in at the time it's the idea that like people can only relate to you if you're like people can only like talk to you if they feel like they can relate to you so you know that's why I think that's why queer people and, and straight people like that's why in terms of like people that perpetuate biphobia like that's why like they do it is because they need to be able to put you in a box in order to be able to relate to you and to be able to have that conversation in terms of oh so you like them oh amazing like blah 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 like oh so like you're you're doing this with this, this person like blah 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 like that's the only way like for people to comprehend like in their head is if they can put you in that specific box for that specific like person or situation then it makes it easier for them to to converse with you and and to understand you and to relate to you and it's just it's very boring and very tiring that you know that you know even like people within the queer community that they have to then put you in a box in order to be able to relate to you and to be able to you know understand you fully and it's just the fact that somehow it's so perplexing for people to understand that you can be like as attracted to you know various genders as you know as other people are you know attracted to one gender or you know it's like it's very it's just perplexing that people can't understand just can't understand that like as a, a basic thing that you know the way they experience attraction to you know the people they like is the way that you know bisexual people experience attraction to various different types of people and it's just you know, it's it's not really rocket science. Like it's just, you know, it really is not difficult to understand. It's and it just baffles me that, you know, these conversations are still needing to be had. And 
the same rhetoric just comes up time and time again. I think what you said there as well that it's it's not an easy it's not a difficult concept to understand and it should be an even less difficult concept to just accept. Like you you uh, like as a sort of asexual person, I don't I'm not going to understand exactly what it's like to feel attraction in the way that a uh, heterosexual person. Uh, feels attraction or the same way that a bisexual person feels attraction but that still doesn't can't should never stop you from just accepting other people's way of or what who other people are it's just because you can't understand or you aren't the same as someone doesn't mean that they're any less valid in how they are attracted to people or how they express themselves in any sort of way it's it's such, it's as you said it's just such a perplexing thing i think particularly when it's from other people within the sort of queer community in that a lot of people will have had to will will when finding who you are and finding your own position or where you see yourself as fitting in the queer community like it for most people that I know or have spoken to, it takes a lot of sort of time and at times confusion and and it is just perplexing that anyone who might have gone through that to then still want to sort of attack people or not even always attack but just being negative or just anyway sort of non-accepting of people who are bisexual it just as you say it just doesn't sort of make any sense i think if people are so doing that they really need to have a sort of moment of just self-reflection to kind of work out why they're kind of so so distressed by other people perceiving the world slightly differently to themselves i think one thing that i found at least I, I think this is kind of one of the stories I always tell when I'm talking about biophobia and dating, the difficulties that come with that sometimes is I was talking on the phone with someone I was talking to at the time and they made the analogy that I would be more likely to cheat on them because I'm bisexual, because I've got a, a big, I've got a wider range of people to cheat on them with. And that, it, that in itself is just the idea that we're just attracted to everyone like we're not we're not attracted to we're not attracted to like have a, we don't have a type like in each gender like other people do or whatever like that no we just attract to everyone and we, we'll sleep with anyone and it, it is just such a frustrating thing that has come up unfortunately more than once when i've been dating people mm-hmm. it's such a yeah. horrible rhetoric as well it's been around for so long like it's been used in such negative ways for so long this sort of just view that people in the LGBT community are just additionally promiscuous and then even more so when people are bisexual, which obviously has no basis in fact and is just sort of vile rhetoric. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, like on that point, like I've had like various and like experiences like with like queer women and they've been like look like i'm not gonna date you because you're bisexual like you will cheat on me and it's just like and it's just like are you like are you actually like are you actually serious like how at your big age are you seriously like coming out with stuff like that like it's just ridiculous like it's ridiculous like how can you like determine like my loyalty or like how I'm going to be in a relationship from my sexuality like what has that got to do with anything like how do you know I'm not the most like loyal monogamous person you're ever going to meet like how do you know that from like how have you determined that from my sexuality that I'm that's not what I'm like it's just it's absolutely ridiculous and like it's and it's like it's come about like recently like just through social media like and like there's a lot there's a lot of biphobia like in the lesbian community and it's 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 really really harmful like a lot of it is is very it's very very negative and like i've had a lot of really really like 
bad experiences and interactions and conversations with a lot of queer women in terms of just like their basic understanding of bisexuality and you know whether they they deem bisexual people trustworthy or like whether they date them and stuff like that and it's just it's very very tiring um and particularly like what has come about recently and kind of similar to that is the idea that like bisexuality means that you believe that in the gender binary and it's just like where have people got this from like when has anyone ever said and when has bisexuality ever been understood as like blanket attraction to men women like no like when is that ever when has that ever been a thing that people have understood and when has that ever been a thing that people have said like it's only through because people can't understand bisexuality in general. So they then, for it, for them to make it easier, they're just like, oh, okay, well, you know, if I, I can kind of understand that you like men and women. So like, but like the concept that you like, you're attracted to like all genders, oh my God, that's too much for me. Like, I can't comprehend that. So I'm just going to like pretend that, you know, you believe in the gender binary. And it's just like, why it's just so tiring because like this rhetoric keeps coming up time to time again, like from like other queer people and from like straight people that they think that, bisexuality is like is within the gender binary and okay yes some bisexual people will like will believe in the gender binary and their their attraction will will lie within that but in terms of like blank like bisexuality as like an umbrella term and like the general understanding understandings of bisexuality it is not limited to like understanding gender as like a binary a binary concept uh, I think what you said there about pretending as well. People like hear something or and kind of just believe it blindly. And even when they're in the face of like facts and like real experience from real people to telling them well, actually what you heard is wrong. That that's wrong. People just as you said, they just pretend like they haven't been they haven't been told that and just pretend that that that's not true and it's it's so blind and as you said just uh just completely ridiculous that even in the face of sort of evidence and people actually just telling you no that's wrong people will still just blindly cling to this idea of oh by means gender binary and it's no like they're just clinging to a sort of false message and regardless of sort of everything else they might learn about it was almost an unwillingness to learn or accept that they could be wrong in any way i think a lot of it comes down to as well and a lot of discussions we've had all throughout this podcast comes down to just listen to people and believe their lived experience that's that's all it needs to be like you don't have to fully understand you don't have to fully grasp what any what anyone's feeling but just listen to people's lived experience, listen to what people are telling you and believe them. Take, take the word at face value. That's all, that's, that's all it needs to be. It doesn't have to be complete understanding. It doesn't have to be anything else. It just needs to be, oh, I, I hear what you're saying and I believe that's how you feel. That's all, that's, that's all it needs to be, like, honestly. And yeah, it is really frustrating, this idea. And as Amy said about the kind of, in the lesbian community, having this something against uh, like bi girls as if they've got this uncontrollable craving for men, which they're going to eventually is going to come over them at some point during a lesbian relationship. And, and almost the same thing for uh, almost the opposite thing for bi men where it's, you're just, it's just a transitional phase between being straight and gay. Like that's uh, what a lot of people, a lot of people think it's just like, Oh, it's just a phase. Eventually you'll come out as gay. Like, no, even if I was to eventually date a man, I'm still bisexual. I still have a, an attraction to women. I just have found a man who I want to spend the rest of my life with. Or if I found a woman, then I found a woman, not the whole female race, <laughs> that specific woman. And, that, and yeah, that's, it's just very, a very frustrating kind of thing to get pounded. And that whole thing of like, oh, what, I get asked, what percentage like, do you attract oh, to <laughs> Like, is, it like, is it like 60 40 like 70 30 it's like no just yeah. attraction to regardless of gender <laughs> yeah i think like that's like 
like I will admit that like when I was like younger and like a few like a few years ago like that's something that like I would say like often and it's like something that like I would yeah that I would like say often in terms of like you know when people would ask I would be like oh you know like I'm like more like attracted to women and like you know less attracted to men and you know like my attraction to like other genders is just kind of like you know depend like on various things so like that was like how I like did like used to say about it but I think like a lot of that was to do like with like internalized like biphobia and like how I kind of like and how it's so difficult to kind of be so like confident and like outspoken about like bisexuality because you just know about like how much like misconceptions there are and you know the ideas that people have about it and you know the questions you know you're going to get asked and how you know it's it's how that kind of just like conversation over if someone asks you you know like how you know what's your percentage you're just like okay blah 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 and then that's conversation over you know to have to be like oh you know like I don't have a percentage like you know it's really dependent on the person and you know if if we get on we get on and you know if we vibe that that's that like you know we'll we'll date and or whatever and like we'll move on you know so like trying like that is just so much more difficult obviously for people to understand because they can't understand bisexuality anyway so I think I kind of did it a lot when I was younger to kind of just like ease that conversation and to kind of just make like yeah to like to make those conversations not have to become like a big thing so now it's 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 definitely something that I don't do now like after you know I've been out for like almost six years and you know I'm I'm really comfortable with my sexuality at this point um but it's definitely something that I did that I did earlier and like it's, it's 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 a difficult thing to you know to handle when you're not you don't have the vocabulary you're not comfortable enough to you know have those difficult conversations that people will continue to bring up yeah i definitely had the, as i said like when i was younger as well i definitely had the kind of i i, I, slightly, I prefer girls and uh, i try to i try almost try to explain it to people it, it out of my own insecurities almost um and and now i'm kind of just don't and it, but then even now when i don't give i don't entertain that conversation with an answer it will be like also, how, so how many girls have you slept with compared to men? And it's just like, what, why, why? Because I'm bisexual. Is that any of your business? Like, you you don't ask that to a straight person. You, well, typically you don't. It's a random thing. You don't ask. You don't go. Well, how straight are you? Like, how many women have you slept with? What, like, it's just what? Why? Because I'm bisexual. Is that your information privy to you? Especially someone who nine times out of ten, it's not even a close friend or anything. Someone that I've just yeah, like, literally, met. it's like someone you've just met. <laughs> and you're like okay like are you asking everyone else at the party this or like just me because you know i buy like yeah it's it's, it's a ridiculous entitlement as well i mean feel like they're entitled to know your like your your sort of relationship or sexual history it's like that's not as as you said you like you said so you felt like you owed them an explanation which no one is owed like an explanation you don't owe anyone anything in it and i think it takes a little while to sort of learn that as well yeah these people are being entitled and if they are they if they're that entitled to ask then they probably especially as you said if they're a stranger don't know you they don't then don't deserve an answer don't deserve that explanation yeah like i'll have these conversations with my friends that's where I have conversations about my relationships with, I don't have them with a person who I've met at the club five minutes ago, and I'm like, I'm like five shots down, and they're fifty shots down. Like, it's the, I don't want to have this conversation while you're drunk, breathing in my ear with your arms slouched around. Like, that's it's just not the time I want to be having these kind of conversations, and you're not owed that information from me. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of it's kind of the idea, just in general, that you know, if you're if your like sexuality or you know gender identity or kind of anything just like doesn't fit within like the prescribed you know like blanket like default for society then like it just opens up people to be like inquisitive and they just think that they deserve to know everything so they can fully understand it and it's like you know it's not it's not anyone's job to sit there and spend 25 minutes to an hour explaining their sexuality to someone they've just met because like it's because you're not straight or explaining your gender identity because you're not cisgender like that's that's not what people should have to do because like people don't have like people don't understand it like that's not 
people's responsibility it's, it's the mm-hmm. the person to their responsibility to go educate themselves rather than asking a random person they've met 50 questions about bisexuality like that's just stupid and like how draining that can be as well to be the one answering especially like when it relates to sort of you and and your uh, and your expression yourself it it's some like yeah you don't it and also what bearing does it have on like with as you, as you were saying before like would you ask that same question to like a straight cis person straight away off the bat and well well you obviously if you won't well that's probably because it has no actual bearing on who i am who you are as a person like it should it won't have any effect on your personality and who you are like so and you wouldn't ask that to anyone else so why is it now suddenly massively pertinent and a massive part of who someone is and that you need to know just because of someone's sexuality like it just doesn't make sense but yeah uh, yeah i think we and um, we've touched on it quite a lot um so we'll get back we'll get to something else now where obviously ryan you've been training with Tolton victor recently this is your first first season i believe as well yeah yeah first first uh first season playing with them first playing back back playing football after a couple of years of injury and stuff like that and yeah as I said earlier when we were talking it's it's uh, it, it's been so brilliant being in a sort of so much more welcoming and inclusive environment that it's kind of made me reflect on my past experiences in football and realise just how toxic some of those environments were and yeah I think it's, it's a massive sort of credit to the side uh, football versus homophobia who they have a really good relationship with and the sort of unity leagues they're a part of that the uh, difference in environment is so stark like it, it really does highlight just how positive an environment they fostered yeah uh, I'm definitely like unfortunately like down where I'm based on in Southampton there isn't any inclusive sides um, and, and that's one thing that I was thinking of being able to start at some point I can't this year because I've got this and I've got my masters and there's too much going on, but it's definitely something that I want to start because Southampton is a very inclusive city as a whole. So I feel like something like that would be fantastic for that city, especially when Southampton is one of the few Premier League clubs that doesn't have a support LGBT supporters group as well. So I feel like then there needs to be that environment opened up. And I don't know, it's definitely something that has opened my eyes to potentially coming back into football when that was never really an option. I don't know if it's done the same thing for you, Amy, seeing that all these inclusive sides about. I don't know if you've thought about maybe getting back into football. Yeah, I've, like, I think I just, like, I'm, like, I start, uh, <laughs> let me start again. <laughs> um, I started skateboarding um, after I left university, um, and that's, like, what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and I've got, like, a really, like, good, like, collective of, like, really, like, inclusive, like, and like girls I skate with um and there's like a whole bunch of like really inclusive spaces so like I'm kind of just really enjoying that at the moment because it's like it's so different and there's loads of inclusive spaces um and because there's like more there's more space to challenge like the the narrative in terms of like what's the like typical ex like blanket norm for skateboarding so there's more kind of like what the kind of way that people talk about people in terms of like you know there's so much ingrained like culture to challenge and change and like that's so difficult and it's going to take such a long time you know other sports don't necessarily have like such an ingrained like culture to to shift so it's a little bit easier in in skateboarding to to make those spaces and to have those conversations so I'm kind of just enjoying like a really different inclusive space at the moment um but in terms of you know potentially like in the future going forward um you know i will probably like have a look at those like inclusive groups um like football spaces at some point um just because you know I have played it my whole life and I do really enjoy it um and it would be nice to get back into it at some point so I think it's definitely something I would do in the future um just not like immediately because I am really enjoying kind of just not being in like the the football world at all at the moment. Mm-hmm. 
No, I think one thing that I'm actually looking forward to is potentially getting a group of us together and having a kick about because I feel like a few of us from the panel and football versus homophobia as a whole would be a lot of yeah. fun. getting a little team together even like a one-off game it, it just it'll be it'll be fun because a, a lot of us seem to have a like obviously we all have a love of football and all of us have at some point by the sounds of it been pushed out of football or felt pushed out of football and yeah I definitely felt like that I stopped playing at 17 um literally the age that I came out as bisexual so it's it's not a coincidence um and it, it's been nice kind of this year getting a bit more into the fandom side of things like going to the joining the proud valiance of the Charlton's LGBT supporters group uh talking to Gary a little bit about Invicta as well and so it, it has been nice to see that okay if I do want to get back into it there is a space for it and it is something that I will definitely, when I've got a bit more time, look into setting up down in Southampton as well. Because as I, as I said earlier, football can be such an, a, an amazing thing and can be such an amazing experience. It just isn't allowed to be for a lot of people in a lot of spaces. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's such an important uh, uh, space for so many people as well. It's such an important thing. Like, there's genuinely a period in my life where... I know playing football categorically saved my life essentially, and and to then lose that for a couple of years and not be able, and feel so isolated from my sort of greatest passion was was really difficult to deal with, and that was the reason I've ended up joining Charlton and Victor was I was so anxious about contacting a club to sort of go train with someone as sort of all my friends who I'd been playing with for years had sort of fallen out of playing football as well. And just having a team just with the sort of label of inclusive to everyone and uh, of all sort of genders, of all abilities, of all sexualities, just made it so much more of an easy experience just on a sort of, on an anxiety mental health side. It was so much easier rekindling that love for football and finding that sort of passion I had for it again by just there being that sort of inclusive framework that until a couple of years ago I didn't realise really existed I as I said before in, in when we've been talking I only really had that sort of quite toxic experiences of, of playing for sides and it was only seeing uh, Charlton Athletic properly uh, affiliate with Invicta and have Invicta become part of our community trust that I kind of saw that oh there's this other side to it there's this 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 uh, other side to football where there is inclusivity where the environment isn't entirely sort of toxic and the more yeah as you said the more we can do that the more places we can do that I know that um uh, Sam, who does a lot of the coaching for us at Invicta, is a Villa fan. Is setting it, uh, up a similar side in Vi- uh, for Aston Villa, and that there's lots of these sort of sprouting up. It it's just so good to see that these environments are sort of growing, and good to hear that yeah, people like yourself, Sam, are, are, tr- are wanting to set these up in other parts of the the country as well to give more people the opportunity to have these sort of positive environments, particularly when you get to sort of wear the sort of badge of the team you love as well, which is one of the things I'm certainly loving uh, playing for Charlton and Victor, having been a season ticket holder my whole life and uh, even having a Charlton tattoo and everything to be able to go out and uh, wear the sort of Charlton badge, but also feeling like you're actually accepted as a part of that is, is, is sort of wonderful to have that we can uh, go to training and have like one of the uh, Charlton women's youth teams on before us or go on a Saturday and have the upbeat training before us and just that inclusivity within the sort of uh, across sort of all barriers within uh, the community trust makes it an even more sort of positive environment to feel like you're a part of. You're a part of something, not just a part of a sort of uh, inclusive side, but you're part of a, a sort of wider community of inclusive teams in sort of all different varieties. And yeah, I think it's, it's 
heartwarming to be sort of a part of. And it is one of those little things that you can take those little bits of hope from being part of those communities that we can expand. But And ultimately, if it has a positive impact on what even one person, then it's done its job right. It is, it's helped someone. And the more you uh, in spaces like this we have, the more people can be helped and, as I said, find that love for what is the sort of most popular sport in the world. It is the, the sort of most easily accessible sport in terms of viewing by sort of most of the world. And to be able to create that connection with people it is, and feel part of something bigger is it, just wonderful within football, especially when you feel like you've been ousted by the wider football community in the past. It's, yeah, it's uh, very good that these sort of teams are spe- like popping up. I think that's a pretty fabulous way to end, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, yeah, do you guys want to shout any social medias if you want people to follow you? If you don't want people to follow you, that's fair enough as well. But if you want to shout anything out. Um, I mean, you can... <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll plug my Instagram just because um, I plugged it last time. So um, if you do care to follow me, um, my Instagram is A-M-Y and then A and then D-U-N-B-A-R. So Amy A. Dunbar is my Instagram. And that's like where I'm most active and talk about many football things and homophobia things and biphobia things and all of the things. So, yeah. Yeah, I would uh, plug my Instagram, but it's pr- uh, probably uh, not worth it. I'm not very uh, active on any social medias really and uh, yeah so by my lateness to this meeting I'm not very good tech in a technological sense so uh, yeah probably uh, not best to, to follow any accounts that may be associated to me. Uh, well you can follow of course Football vs Homophobia is at FEH Youth on, on all platforms we don't have a Facebook but on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, Football vs Homophobia obviously on FEH Tweets on Twitter, Football vs Homophobia on Instagram and Football vs Homophobia on Facebook, as well as my personals if you fancy doing that, Sam underscore AEC on both Twitter and Instagram. Please don't add me on Facebook. Um, uh, and yeah, that's pretty much the end. And we'll see you all guys another, uh, another month for the next episode of The Roundtable. Let's see you later. So, if you want any inf- more information, you can find us at www.footballvshomophobia.com. We're also on Twitter, um, at FBH Tweets. We're on Facebook, and you can just search Football vs Homophobia and you'll find us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also on Instagram, at football underscore v underscore homophobia so yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to find us there and use the hashtag um, FVH2020 and uh, we'll see all of the stuff you post yeah thanks for listening and uh, see you next month bye bye, bye.